1: 18 plus. Welcome back, Blockhead Nation, to the Your Favorite Blockhead Podcast. This episode of the show is sponsored by my good friends over at Narrative.fm. Guys, those of you that are adventurous and love the great outdoors, you know the risks you take. Raging rivers, even bear attacks. Can you imagine? Avalanches. No matter how prepared you are for an outdoor adventure, you can experience the innocent or the disastrous in the blink of an eye. And that is why Narrative.fm has released their new podcast, In the Wild, True and Gripping Tales of Survival, Tragedy, and Triumph from the Depths of the Wilderness," Coming to you through podcasts everywhere from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play in the wild go to my link for your favorite blockhead.com slash blog and click to get narrative.fm or check out in the wild on all podcasting platforms for an exciting podcasting experiment and go ahead and take a walk on the wild side with in the wild podcast Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for stopping by once again. You are listening to Your Favorite Blockhead. The only podcast in the podcasting world that can somehow incorporate the Peanuts comic strip one minute and then be talking about MMA and Warriors Inside the Octagon the next. This is the 76th anniversary of D-Day. Just even though we are acknowledging the wound that is on our nation that is never properly or thoroughly healed. I hope, Blockhead Nation, that we don't forget our history. We don't forget our heroes that stormed the beaches of Normandy, that we don't forget Omaha Beach. And I would hope if you have time today that you would go back and you would look at President Roosevelt's prayer that was shared with the, the the nation over radio. Everything about that prayer is appropriate today. It still rings true. And I don't have a great story for you for D-Day except for that it has been acknowledged many times in the Peanuts comic strip, and normally you guys that are coming on here have been hearing one guest after another. Well, you have a special surprise today. Yours truly is going solo. There's your special guest. You have me, myself, and I, your favorite blockhead. And as we look at this, I was on with a chat a few minutes ago on what's called Unconventional Leaders. We were just kind of bouncing around ideas, and it was mentioned by me that if you are looking to make any kind of an impact, any impact is better than none, as in being handicapped by fear, which is not a fruit of the spirit... These have been mostly the thoughts that were sent by my end, and to help you out with this, maybe a lot of you are coming to this podcast looking for a reprieve, which is fine. Come on in, let your hair down, breathe in, breathe out, and we're going to talk about something that deals with the Peanuts comic strip. This was mentioned in the group, and my listeners here have the right to hear this story as well. Fifty years ago, we have... It wasn't to this day, this isn't the anniversary, but we've had over 50 years since the iconic appearance of one of the most beloved characters in the Peanuts. Not as well-known as Snoopy or Charlie Brown or Linus or Lucy. He's in my top ten. When I talked about it at Dallas On Air, I did the top ten Peanuts strips, uh, Peanuts characters, and one of them was... This cool gentleman we're going to talk about now. Franklin. Now, if you don't know the story of what happened with Franklin, it wasn't long ago that the Peanuts were under attack on this thing the kids call social media. Because of the portrayal of Franklin. I'm here to dispute that. Anytime you need it, I'll send you so many resources that you wouldn't believe to show how... Charles Schultz very much embraced desegregation. When Franklin came out, Martin Luther King had just been assassinated. And the nation is, there aren't any words to describe the uproar of the African American culture. A 42-year-old retired teacher that reached out to Charles Schultz. She looked around and just thought, is there anything at all that I can do? She knew she needed somebody of influence. Well, she reached out to, in a letter, Mr. Schultz. And he reads it, and he loves the idea of including a character that is of the African American race. And he is introduced beautifully. First time we see him in a comic strip, Franklin is returning a beach ball to Charlie Brown, saying, does this belong to you? He welcomes him back over to look at his sandcastle. He kind of criticizes it for being a little bit crooked, but, you know, what has Charlie Brown done that doesn't turn to, uh, to ruin anyway? But, as we look further into Franklin's introduction... There was an editor in the South, I couldn't tell you what his name was, but somebody was completely against Franklin being in the comic strip. He found it absurd that Franklin and Peppermint Patty were in the same comic strip together. And he wanted it changed. Charles Schultz's exact words were, and I quote, Either you print the comic the way I drew it, Or I quit. If you want to even attempt to categorize Charles Schultz as being a racist, I am stopping that discussion dead in its tracks right here. And also, when you look at the way that he is portrayed in the Thanksgiving episode, maybe if you look at it from one screenshot, it does look like Franklin is sitting alone at the table. But if you walk through the dialogue, you will see that Franklin is actually the comic relief. It is when the girls are walked outside with Charlie Brown and they are seated at the table. Snoopy's been preparing the meal. He's about to pass out all the condiments. Peppermint Patty is seated with courtesy. Marcy is seated with courtesy. And the seat that Franklin happens to sit in is the same chair that Snoopy had a huge knockdown dragout drag-out battle with in the front lawn as he was setting up. So he does get the broken chair, but again, this is for comic relief. Who do you want to sit in? Do you want Marcy to sit in this? Or Peppermint Patty? It doesn't make sense for the time. This was showing a gentleman courtesy on every aspect of it, and yes, Franklin was the comic relief in that moment. But, to help you with the dialogue a little further... In the episode, Is This Goodbye, Charlie Brown? I'm sure most of you don't even know that's an episode. Yes, Linus and Lucy were going to move away. Parents got a new job. Well, in this episode, they call in Snoopy, the Joe Cool Catering, and all of the friends are sitting around to wish their farewells and their good lucks to Linus and Lucy therein. And at the head of the table, who happens to be sitting there and who happens to propose a toast for their well-being? Yeah, Franklin. Franklin is not only included in the childhood and in the neighborhood of Charlie Brown and the gang, but he is given an utmost amount of respect he is an iconic character, and anybody that would try to come out on the thing called social media that the kids can take in every different direction and try to kick sand in the face of Charles Schultz, I'm going to help you here. i got more than enough cannon fodder to go around to dispute anything you want to bring up about Franklin or about the Peanuts or about what kind of a man Charles Schultz was. This was a man that did not have to go through the struggles being a barber's kid from St. Paul, but also he served in the Second Great War. His platoon was not far away, within probably 50 miles, from Hitler's final solution. When he came home, what was his influence? He became a cartoonist. He became one of the most iconic cartoonists of all time. If not the most iconic cartoonist of all time. And we have people who want to cherry pick the story that has happened from Charlie Brown. Franklin is one of the most renowned and most respected and most acknowledged characters... In the Peanuts. He's one of my absolute favorites. He's in my top ten. But I cannot put him in the top five. Simply because of who made the most impact. Who'd been with the comic strip for the longest time period. The world doesn't know all the time who Franklin might be. They should. Most people will know who Snoopy is. But if you come at me with any kind of indication. That Charles Schultz could have possibly been part of the problem. During that time period. I'm here with plenty of a rebuttal for you. Yeah, Franklin gave the toast and wished farewell to Lance Lucy. As Joe Cool started to fill the glasses with water and they found out that they'd gotten the wrong catering service, they had ordered dog biscuits from catering for dogs from one and only Joe Cool, a.k.a. Snoopy himself. So to put a little bit of light humor on the end of that and give that enough closure, either way, D-Day is honored on this podcast. Anybody who sacrificed their life, especially during the... the, My grandpa did not serve in Normandy. He was not at Omaha Beach. He was serving in New Guinea. But any of you that had grandparents, great-grandparents who served in the Second Great War, this day is for those who truly showed what our nation is all about. Because the only color that was obvious on the shores of Omaha Beach was the color red. Once again, Blockhead Nation, thank you so much for listening to the show. And a lot of you guys that are listening are in the music industry or a lot of you are doing your own mixing and you're trying to produce your songs. And I will tell you this, even though that might be easier to do these days, mastering of your music is not. So make sure you go to the link today for $20master.com to get your $20 mastery of your mix. It's easy. You finish your mix, you select the package that works best for you, and then you sit back and relax, enjoy your complete. Completed record within 24 hours. Again, guys, go to your favorite blockhead.com/slash blog or go to $20master.com and see how you can get the best mastery for the best price for your music. That's $20master, professional mastery at an affordable price. Again, that's $20master. Or you can go to $20master.com to get professional mastery. Of your music, I am your favorite blockhead, and I approve this message. Our scripture of the day is going to be none other than the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 through 14. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For if they think that they will be heard for their many words, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now then, for those of you that have decided to stick with me for the second part, for those that follow my show When I Fly Solo, you know that the second part of this show is going to embrace what's going on currently in the world of mixed martial arts. Now, I could sit here and give you depictions on UFC 250, which goes is going on tonight. I could give some thoughts of Amanda Nunez versus Felicia Spencer, but there there's a couple of other things that have really been ...weighing on me lately. And I have to kind of address these now at this point. It was, I want to say Wednesday... ...when You're Welcome with Chael Sonnen came out... ...and Chael actually gave the response of... ...do we need George St. Pierre? Now, if we reword that just for a second... ...if I'm asked, do I want to see the return of arguably the greatest fighter in the history of the sport the one that absolutely defined the welter okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh
0: ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: The ...weight division in the UFC, which is George Rush St. Pierre. My hand quickly goes up. Do I want that? Now, when the question is changed to do we need GSP, There is a movie called The Green Street Hooligans. Again, this is going to be a little bit of an altering of where I'm going to go. We're going to pivot here just for a second. Because in that movie, there is this extreme desire for those that are part of the Green Street elite to bring back the old guard. To bring the old reputation that was before them back into What was currently going on in the firm? If you haven't seen Green Street Hooligans, you have to go back and see what I'm talking about. Pretty violent movie, pretty explicit, very much one that will give you a different interpretation of what goes on in European football, a.k.a. soccer. The proper term over there is football. Now, if you watch that and you see how they want to embrace the old way, there is something to be said about what I consider the old guard When it comes to the UFC, people that did define it. Because there was a time when these guys did stay in their lanes, but also they were defined by that sport. When we look at the middleweight championship, the name that comes to mind is Anderson the Spider Silva. There is no denying that and will always be in the top three. Every time that I look at the top three fighters of anybody that does a top ten comparison, the three names that are in there constantly, but they seem to be uh, switched around, They get altered, just like on mine. They can change from time to time. But there are always three names that come up. There's John Jones, Anderson Silva, and George St. Pierre. Sometimes in that order, and sometimes it's GSP that's first, Anderson that's second. Sometimes it's John, then it's GSP, then... Either way, you can see how they switch them around. Anderson defined the middleweight championship. When it comes to the welterweight division, other than Matt Hughes... There's no denying that George St. Pierre is the name that comes up the most in the welterweight division. When we look at things like even the flyweight division, that doesn't even exist anymore. The name that was synonymous with it, with it, somebody couldn't be defeated, was between two guys. It was Demetrius Johnson or Henry Cejudo. Well, Demetrius Johnson has gone to one championship... Henry Cejudo is now officially retired, but point being on all these, these guys didn't exactly go out and grab two, three different championships at one time. So, GSP would be considered in many ways a champ, champ, champ on so many levels, but not simultaneously. Somebody who would coin that phrase would be none other than Conor McGregor, who wore two of them at UFC 205 when he defeated Eddie Alvarez. And wore the two titles above his head. And wore the Irish flag around his neck. There's no denying that that has that changed now. You're not defined by one championship. The champ champ has completely changed the playing field. But when it comes to you asking me about do we need this. Do we yearn for something that seems in my mind that is of the old guard. Now... The only discussion that's come up about George St. Pierre is if he were to come back, and he has done this before, if he comes back, he's going right into a championship bout. Just like he did with Michael Bisping. Wins in desirable fashion, doesn't hold up the division, and gives it up to go battle his colitis. And if he were to come back, only one person was on his lips, and that was Khabib. Well, if we look at the circumstances that have led us to Justin Gaethje completely overrunning El kakui Tony Ferguson, and now is standing on the staircase for him to go and face Khabib. The only audible that could possibly change that would be George St. Pierre because he's in a class of his own. We know him for being, but we know him for being the welterweight, what people would call the greatest of all time, the GOAT talk. And I, I try to stay out of the GOAT discussion. There will always be somebody that wants to come in and defeat your record. But when I look at do we need anybody in this? My answer is no. The organization is going to continue. Before we came back, nobody really knew who the highlight Justin Gaethje was. But we certainly know who he is now. People are finding out they can't have any other sports. They're finding out that one of the greatest women fighters of all time is Amanda Nunes. The lioness is coming back into her cage to do her business again. But even before that, you... you you're telling me that if you need GSP, then how many more characters do you have to have? Do we have to have Ronda Rousey come back? Do we have to have Brock Lesnar? Do we have to have, in again, how they need it? There is something that has to be discussed when it comes to pay per view buys from the one and only Golden Goose known as Conor McGregor, because if you look at the last bout he did with, with Cowboy. That's the fourth biggest pay-per-view buy in history. All the other ones have included Conor McGregor. Maybe I might listen to you if you tell me that we need Conor McGregor, at least for the sake of the spectacle. I can see where you're going with this. But even that leads me into another discussion. It comes down to what you need is a fan base. What you need is people that are willing to try out the product. Now, do we all want George St. Pierre? My answer is I certainly do. But when I look at this discussion with Chale about do we need George St. Pierre, how do we get left on this cliffhanger that is, we is, I'm leaning more towards yes. How do you justify that we need him? And I'm a huge GSP fan, but I don't believe that you can present anything substantial to me that says that we need one fighter. The industry has never needed one person. You've always got those that are going in and proving that they are the best. And this leads me into the segue of the discussion with Jorge Masvidal. The the tweet comes out from Ariel Hawani. Now, again, I am only as good as the information that's presented to me when it comes to my sport. I am literally an armchair quarterback when it comes to MMA. But when I look at what Ariel Hawani says when it comes to his sources you look at the track record, I'd say four times out of five, his batting average when it comes to news for MMA is pretty solid. So when we look at how Henry Cejudo has retired, apparently John Jones has abdicated his uh, light heavyweight championship. I guess we'll watch and see what happens. That's only time we'll tell. But now the talk is from Jorge Masvidal that doesn't want to go in and compete at a $250,000 contract. Now, I I guess I could understand that and wrap my reign around Brown if he was talking on somebody on a level that wasn't holding the strap. If you're talking about him facing Colby Covington or Leon Edwards, maybe I can get behind you on that one. But when I find out that the negotiations that are going on with Jorge Masvidal are against the welterweight champion of the world, Kamara Uzman, now I'm putting on the brakes and going, whoa, back up a second. This is still an industry, last time I checked, for people who want to be the best. GSP might have to prove that he is the best if he's going to come in and derail the Justin Gaethje train and come in and say, I have that shot against Khabib. But if that, even if that doesn't happen, Justin Gaethje has nobody else stand in his way for the undefeated champion of the lightweight division. For the welterweight champion, Kamaru Usman... Who happens to be a Nigerian fighter? Guess who else is Nigerian? Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion of the world. Even I can understand that there is not enough stardom and enough ability to get people into the paper you buys, You are telling me, especially a quarter of a million dollars, that this is now about the money. And Jorge Masvidal, you are going to distance yourself from the working man that really does appreciate what you do to give us a distraction from all the brokenness that's going on in our world or people that come home from a tough day that want to see men, gladiators, go out in the cage and leave it all there? And all of a sudden, this is now about, well, I'm, I'm not being paid near what I was getting paid when I fought Nate Diaz. I cannot deny the stardom of Nate Diaz. I cannot deny the stardom of Conor McGregor but facing Kamaru Usman tells me that you are denying your chance to be the very best in the welterweight division. You are holding a strap that was pr- invented from the mind of Nate Diaz and you had in the crowd for your bout the President of the United States, Donald Trump. You had Dwayne The Rock Johnson put this BMF title around your waist but now you're telling me that the shot against the title isn't good enough? And you decided that you're going to hang it up and you're going to ride off into the sunset? Masvidal, you've been fighting in backyard brawls back when Kimbo Slice was well known for them. You were on those cards where people just had a video camera and were watching you guys throw down. And now all of a sudden it's not about the fighting anymore. It You're telling me. Unless somebody on the Blockhead Nation here can give me a better depiction of this. That this is about, I'm only making a quarter of a million dollars. Something that many of our listeners will never even dream of touching. The common man that tunes into your show, that gets the subscriptions on ESPN Plus, will never see a quarter of a million dollars. And you're telling me I'm willing to walk away. That sounds like something I heard in a staged world. And I'm talking about the WWE. WWE. If I remember right, that's something that CM Punk said to Vince McMahon. If the difference is he's a star and I'm not, then let me go. But that also is in a world where the ending is de- already determined. There's nothing determined already about two men who are going to go into a cage. And we're going to find out who the better of the two are. Now, I guess if you have negotiations on something like that, because WWE is one knockoff from Ringland Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. That we already know the predetermined. Everybody is looking at the other hand to see what the magician's doing. They're in on the trick now. So maybe that can be something that can be discussed. But something between two actual gladiators? You're telling me it's not about the fight. You're telling me it's about the dollar signs. And since when did that become the type of guy you were, Masvidal? And for you to have the momentum that you have, this is going to be your bust cycle. It's going to happen for people who listen on this show too. You have a fighter that you can face that has overcome um, incredible obstacles from Nigeria. Maybe he's even had a machete held to his head at once. Coming from a country that knows nothing but apartheid and knows nothing but genocide and knows shame. Versus a bunch of uh, what happens in America. I understand that we have something that hasn't been solved yet, but we also have this level of entitlement too. Real struggle... From Israel Adesanya and Kamara Uzman that, just listening to their stories, would put a lot of our stories in this nation to shame. And that is where the level playing field is, As a man that has it in his heart, in his soul. The equal playing field becomes when you step in with another guy and you have your hand raised at the end of the night. It's why I love this sport. And I can't get behind the mentality of Jorge Masvidal. During this time period, if you can give me a good reason to block a nation, please reach out to me and tell me why Masvidal is worth having this type of discussion. Because my question still stands: by Do you want to get the highest? Pr- you want to sell it to the highest bidder, or do you want to be the best? And you would be the best, Masvidal, if you went and faced Uzman for the title and gave us MMA purist exactly what we want, regardless of the price that's on the table. And now we move into Fight Island, which is a hot topic right now. I'm just loving the fact there's a chance that one of the great fighters that are on the card could possibly be Kelvin Gastelum versus Jack Hermanson. Because Gastelum Israel Adesanya was easily a candidate for 2019 Fight of the Year. Those two had an amazing performance that night. And for Kelvin to have a chance to go back and really light it up in the main card on Fight Island... That's a fun one. So I end that on a fun note. But I give you what is on my mind when it comes to MMA. If you want to go check out 250 tonight, go for it. Felicia Spencer versus Amanda Nunes, amongst others that are on the card. I think Cody Garbrand is back. We can talk about it more in due time. But that's what I leave you with at this point. This has been your favorite blockhead. We'll see you guys next time. Same blockhead time, same blockhead channel. Well, listeners, you've made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. But if you thought for one second that I was going to let you forget about my friends over at Southern Fried Philosophy, you are sadly mistaken. Blockhead Nation, go check them out. Every week, Biggin' and Mojo are two Southern guys who bring you a podcast that is spotlighting Southern culture, food and drink, and so much more. You're missing out. After listening to today's show, you need to go to southernfriedphilosophy.com or click the link link at your favorite blockhead.com slash blog to learn more about these guys tune in every week to southern fried philosophy this is a podcast will show you how truly southern you are don't forget get there now what are you waiting for